This is Jessica Pate, your host for Brave Together podcast. I am here to serve, encourage, and inspire you in your journey as a special needs mom. This is your tribe. This is your community, your place to be reminded that you are not alone. Please follow along as I share stories, inspiration, and resources just for you. Hi, friends. Welcome to today's episode on mindfulness. And I am so happy to introduce our speaker, our guest today on the show, Rachel Rush, who I met a year ago when we were planning our third annual Preventing Compassion Fatigue Workshop, which we will be having another one February 5th. And she came to educate and inspire our moms on mindfulness as a wonderful tool for anyone to combat the stress and a way to ground ourselves and center ourselves and just have something else that we can call upon in the midst of anything that's hard. I am excited to introduce Rachel Rush, who has been a teacher for eight years, and she is currently teaching fifth grade. So let's just stop right there and thank her for being a teacher in the midst of COVID-19. Can't even imagine what it's like for you. So thank you for being on the front lines in that way. She is a certified mindfulness instructor through Mindful Schools and has been sharing the practice with schools and the community for six years. Rachel has a natural way of leading mindfulness and presents the practice in a practical and approachable way. She is passionate about mindfulness because of the positive impact it has made on her students' lives as well as her own. Hi, Rachel. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. So why don't you just share with our listeners just the basics of mindfulness, and we'll go from there. Sure. Sounds good. So mindfulness is really one of the definitions is paying attention to the present moment on purpose. So I think that we hear a lot about being present and um, being calm when we think about mindfulness, but I guess the question is how to do that exactly. And there's two different types of mindfulness. There's the formal practice and then there's the informal practice. So the informal practice is more like daily activities, daily exercises that you can do. Um, And that could be anything from trying to be present as you're driving from place to place, trying to be present with people in your lives and listening, using your five senses when you're out in nature. That's kind of the informal practice. And then the formal practice is sitting typically with your eyes closed and breathing. Mindfulness can get misconstrued as we're trying to reach this higher state of euphoria and float off the ground, which, you know, you can get there, but um, (laughs) really the practical tools of mindfulness help us just to simply observe what's going on in our minds. So to observe our thoughts our emotions, our bodies, and we want to observe them with curiosity and with some grace as well. Typically, if we have a, an emotion that's negative or unwanted, we try to push it away, push it away, or thoughts that we have that we think we shouldn't have those thoughts. We tend to push them away or distract ourselves. And what mindfulness does is help us accept those thoughts, accept those emotions 
so that we can be kinder to ourselves and have more compassion for ourselves and other people as well. And I think that that's one of the hard parts is that people might not necessarily want to sit with their emotions, especially if they're strong or challenging. But when we do this, um, it softens our emotions. It softens our thoughts a bit and gives us a little bit more control over our minds because we're just able to observe and take a step back, kind of separate ourselves from all of the thoughts and stories that are spinning around in our head. So that's the basics of it. <laughs> I love that. I It resonates with me. To me, it sounds so um, helpful to train yourself to pause and observe, not judge. But I like how you said it also softens it because it is sometimes easier to distract away and push away our feelings. It's easier in the moment, but we know long-term it's not uh, helpful because the feelings go somewhere. How do you start to pay attention? How do you train yourself to pause? And I mean, I am asking for myself as, as one who's emotional and reactive at home, you know, sometimes I surprise myself and I don't react, but it's not always easy with children and with children. The first thing to do is if you can develop an, a formal practice, and that could just be sitting for five minutes and following your breath as it moves in and out of your body. And as you're following your breath, you'll start to notice thoughts come up, uh, to-do lists pop up in your mind, maybe a big emotion, and just start by noticing and then each time something comes up, you bring your attention right back to your breathing. And over time, you're able to follow your breath a little bit more. Um, some days that are stressful, it's harder to do, of course. And I think doing that, if you can take five minutes out of your day to do that, it can really go a long way. What you were asking about too is, you know, in the moment, right? If you're stressed or something big happens, how do you how do you pause? And so that formal practice will help you with your reactivity later so that you can kind of remember to come back to your breath, come back to your body. Sometimes in the moment, as you know, with kids or adults, it's hard to stop and pause, right? So with students, you know, I have parents that say, okay, you know, my child was overwhelmed. So I told them just to breathe. And it's <laughs> in that moment, you don't feel like breathing, right? So I think it's kind of developing these practices beforehand um, to help with your reactivity in the moment. So how do you get started? So um, the way that I got started was actually, I never really knew anything about mindfulness until somebody told me I had to teach it to my students. And um, so I ended up developing my own practice. And I think that finding an app is really helpful um, because I could I can give you some suggestions, but I think what really helped me get started was um, Headspace, which is a really great app because they they lead you through different exercises. So I feel like it's almost like a little mini mindfulness class, um, and that's a really a really great tool that I still use. Um, and I can 
tell you some other apps I like as well. And then if you don't feel like um, being on your phone, you can just sit um, and try, you can do a couple things. So if you're sitting inside, you can place one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach and try to take 10 deep breaths. And if that's too much, you can start with five and then work your way up and just start to notice your body and what's going on in your mind. And if you get distracted, which is totally natural and normal to try not to get frustrated, but just to notice it and then return back to your breathing. And that's, that's pretty much the basics to get started. And that's still how I usually start my mornings. Is there um, a particular time of day that's better or is it just individualistic? Ideally doing it in the morning because it's such a great way to start your day. You can set an intention for the day. It's a really nice way to wake up. But I know that mornings are really busy, especially if you have kids and you need to get up early and you have everyone else to take care of. And lately, my mornings have been really busy getting up for work and prepping for my classes. So I actually also enjoy the evening just before bed, um, just to kind of zone out a little bit and try to not be on my TV or on social media and just have a few moments of quiet and calm to get connected with myself. I think, yeah, I think ideally I'd want to start and end my day with just five minutes. If I could do 10 minutes twice a day, it just feels so peaceful to start my day. And I try to do that. I use um, a different app, but I might try, I might try Headspace. I would, I haven't started, but I would love to end the night without a screen. Right. And maybe some writing or journaling and five or 10 minutes of mindfulness. I think this be kind of sets the stage well for a good night's rest. It does. Definitely. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's nice to, it's nice to reflect on the day too, but any time you can find any time that you can find in your day is great. So what if we have listeners, cause this was definitely me before I ever started yoga, I always thought I was too hyper for yoga because I wanted the loud music and lots of people and boot camp and, you know, just like sort of that hyper exercise classes. And then I started yoga and I was like, wow, I, I've been missing out on this quiet and stillness, just the, the gratefulness that I feel like it, it provoked in me. Um, by being more still. And so if you, if we've got listeners out there who just, they, they, they hear this or like, that's a great idea, but I just, I can't sit still. I can't sit still. What, what would you say to that? Rachel? <laughs> so I think that it's definitely possible for them to practice mindfulness and maybe they can use some movement while they practice. So I, I teach mindfulness to kindergartners all the way up to adults. So I don't expect those kindergartners to sit still. And there's different things that you can do. Um, there's things that you can do with your hands or move your body, sway side to side, or even do yoga, which is a form of moving meditation. So those are all options that I think, like you said, yoga kind of got brought you into meditation um, and taught you how to find some peace, right. 
in your workout <laughs> instead of just uh, the loud music. So I think that maybe starting with something like that with yoga or some movement as well, and knowing that it's okay to move while you're sitting and breathing. You can sit any way you want. You don't have to sit straight up and crisscross. So there's some options out there. So is it is it just a matter of starting a new habit? Like make an appointment with yourself, make it a priority, make it a commitment, whether you feel like it or not, just establishing a new habit. Just you just make a decision to start and see where it takes you. Yes. It really reminds me of starting like a new workout um, or getting back in the habit of working out. So in the beginning, just like maybe you haven't been to yoga in a while or the gym in the first few times are rough and they're difficult and challenging. And it might feel like that when you first start, because I think people expect to feel very calm at first. And if you've never practiced mindfulness, it can feel a little uncomfortable. So yeah, like you said, it's just kind of committing to it and trying it and give it, you know, a few days because after you practice after I think three or four times, you'll start to feel the benefits and and look forward to it. So what does your practice look like now for you now that you've been doing this for so many years? You know, it definitely changes. I, I'd like to say it's really consistent. It changes based on my stress level, what's going on in my life. Obviously, it's easier to practice mindfulness. It's easier to, t- to take care of yourself when things are going really well in your life. And when things are challenging, it's it's just harder to do that. Um, but what I do now with my busy schedule is in the morning, I take just a few minutes to kind of set my day. So if I don't have that much time, I'll sit and breathe for five minutes and try to set an intention for the day. And if I don't get a chance to do it at home, I'll do it with my students <laughs> in class. And then um, at night, I've been using the Calm app, which I just, I've heard a lot about, but I just started using this last year. And it's so nice. It's very soothing. And I think that's what I need right now. So it's nice to be guided by someone and there's nice rainfall in the background. So that's been a good one. Different ideas, different philosophies. So I always learn something new as well, which is nice. If I feel myself in the morning kind of being taken over by thoughts or my to-do list of what's ahead for the day, there's little things you can do in your morning routine that are nice too. So um, if you're taking a shower, instead of planning out your day, you can just try to feel the water on your skin. You can feel your hands moving through your hair as you wash your hair and just feeling all these different sensations. It's really relaxing. It's one of my go-tos when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. It feels very calming and it feels like a practice and just enjoying exactly what's happening in that moment. Rachel, would you mind sharing a little bit personally, because I know our listeners have been through so much and are going through so much, and I'm going to just play devil's advocate. And, you know, we might have listeners out there going, well, you're young, you're single, you don't have kids right now. And so it's really easy for you. You know, we're going to get naysayers that say, well, that's easy for you. You have time or you're young or you're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. Can you share a little bit of your 
personal story for our listeners and just how mindfulness has impacted what you've been through? Yeah, definitely. So I was really fortunate um, to have my mindfulness practice, um, let's see, about, about six years ago. And I'm so glad that I did because it's helped me through the most challenging moments of my life. And I was married um, a few years ago and my husband, um, only five months after we got married, was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so it was a really challenging year, stressful year um, that I never imagined happening. And it was such a stressful year that I did not in those times maybe sit um, for as long or have as long of meditations, but I was able to find things because of mindfulness that really helped me. So some things like on my hardest days, um, a gratitude practice and just thinking, okay, what do I have to be grateful for? And trying to draw my mind and attention to that, um, or knowing I can go down to the beach and sit and watch the waves and feel my breath and kind of return back to my body and myself. Um, and then after he passed, um, I, so sorry, I didn't say that part of it. So he passed away almost three years ago now. Um, and I think that the hardest part, um, about grief, well, one of the hardest parts is feeling this loss of control, um, because of everything you're going through. And I got a lot of help, um, and reached out to different healers or therapists, um, which is all great and very helpful, but I felt like mindfulness was a tool that I was in control of and that I could use whenever I needed it. So it really helps me um, through this, this time because it helped keep me calm, I think, during the storm. And that's what a lot of friends and family have mentioned as well. So yeah, it's just, it's a great tool. I think that you know, whatever you're going through, whether it's loss, whether it's stress um, or grief, mindfulness just helps you be easier on yourself. I tend to be really hard on myself. I wanted, I want to do everything right. I even wanted to grieve the right way. And there's no right way to grieve. So it helps me, um, yeah, to be gentle on myself. And it's still something I I continue to practice. I'm still hard on myself, um, but it just helps with compassion, self-compassion. Um, and then also compassion for other people too, um, that might be going through something similar. So. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I can't even imagine, I mean, I know what loss is like. I know what grief is like, I know what stress and crisis is like, but I don't know what it's like to lose a husband. I can't, I can't even imagine. And especially, you know, you're at the start of your new life and new adventures and, you know, five months in to be newlyweds, you know, to, to grapple with that. I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you. you had that. And you seem so radiant what I've seen of you, um, still like it didn't, 
you didn't allow it. And maybe mindfulness is part of that. You don't allow it to make you hard, which hard things can make us hard. And we definitely do have a choice whether we um, go that route or not. And, um, and I love how you said that. I mean, I think hardship does this, but I think practicing mindfulness does make us aware of other people's uh, need for compassion, need for empathy, need for support. Um, I love how you said um, it softens how you are towards yourself and increases self-compassion because I think, I think we all need that for sure. I think moms and women tend to be so hard on ourselves and have unrealistic expectations and um, if this is yet another tool that can help us be less judgmental towards ourselves and others, I think that brings more peace for sure, for sure. So your go-to resources would be, I mean, do you have any books that you, I love books. I'm a book addict, but do you have any books that you would recommend yes. and and even if you think about it, about it after the show, we can add it later. We can put it in our show notes. Yes. Dan Harris has a book, 10% Happier. And then he also has an app, which is great too, because there are so many different teachers on there. So you can find someone that kind of resonates with you. And they have really good um, sleep meditations <laughs> that are nice. Another book I thought of for, for all the moms out there is by Susan Kaiser Greenland. And she's kind of the, I think she's the guru of mindfulness for kids. She's really brought it to schools and families. Um, and she has a book called The Whole Brain Child. That's a great one. And there's also a really great, there's some research that's come out of the UCLA uh, MARC department, which is Mindful Awareness Research Center. And um, they're doing some studies on gratitude and how it affects your brain. And it, they've shown that it can actually positively affect your brain and give you a more positive outlook, which is really fascinating to me. I love that they're even doing studies on this. Um, and, and I think that one of the really big benefits is for me, what I saw, um, although I don't have children, I've worked with so many, and I've just noticed a shift in the way that I react and respond to my students um, and the environment in the classroom just feels a bit more calm. Um, not saying that there aren't, you know, regular <laughs> things that happen. It's a, it can be a loud classroom, but also have this feeling that, I don't know, things are just a little bit more at ease, which is really nice. And I see that with families I work with too. Um, because I think that your kids, if they see you practicing, they'll be curious, um, and interested as well. So it can be an individual practice, but also a practice you do as a family too, which is really nice. I definitely wish I would have done a practice with my family when they were little and they weren't teenagers and I could make them. <laughs> so moms of littles out there who are listening, start now, start now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When they're little, when they're little, it's a lot easier. Oh, and Rachel, do you have individual clients that you take on to teach families that you teach privately as well? Yeah. So I've worked with a few families privately, um, which is, is really nice um, just to give them some tools and see how they've kind of 
turned it into their own um, with their families. And then I work with, um, I've worked with different organizations and companies. Um, and then of course I teach some kids, uh, mindfulness classes and yoga classes too. Uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you if they want to, um, look you up? So they can find me, um, my website is mindful-circle.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Mindful Circle. Great. All right. And we'll make sure that we share that as well. Thank you. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Rachel. I so appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we've inspired our listeners to, to start or keep going with their mindfulness practice because it, it will make a difference. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope it inspires you to give mindfulness a try or maybe return to the practice of mindfulness. As you know, I'm a lover of quotes and I leave this one for you. Mindfulness is the practice of being aware of your body, mind, and feelings in the present moment thought to create a feeling of calm. Please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, leave a rating. It really does make a difference and helps get our podcast out there for people to notice and to take advantage of. And hopefully we will reach more and more moms and help them feel like they are not alone. If you're listening and you have not yet joined the tribe of We Are Brave Together, go to our website now, wearebravetogether.com, and fill out the little pop-up form. We always have a chair waiting just for you.